before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nickel Anarchy and music by Scott Holmes from Free Music Archive. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Reordian Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to The Best Damn Camp, a Reordianverse read-along podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Reordian in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today we continue our Reordianverse journey with the next supplementary guidebook to the world of the Greeks in the form of Percy Jackson and the Greek heroes. From my unfavorable discussion last time my aim is to be a little kinder this time around calliope music of epic poetry or in the case here novels was not best pleased about my unbalanced discussion so hold the smiting folks because here comes the greek heroes although in some cases these guys need a smiting you'll see Before we begin though, today's focus once again is the mythology, writing style, and my overall opinion. So let's dive in with today's synopsis. Who cut off Medusa's head? Who was raised by a she-bear? Who fell in love with love? It takes a demigod to know, and Percy Jackson can fill you in on all the daring deeds of Perseus, Atalanta, Orpheus, and the rest of the kinda, sorta-ish, major Greek heroes in the surprisingly well-informed heroes book. With shade and glory galore, what could go wrong? Well, other than their painful deaths. Alright, so overall, really, to my surprise, this was a huge improvement in comparison to the Greek gods text which is both great and disappointing. I'd have loved for them both to be at this level. The diversity in the writing is just so much better. The language and narrative storytelling, it just flows so much better and it's just it's just well done. The biggest surprise for me, however, about this book was the introduction and focus on multiple female heroes from mythology. Most that I didn't actually even know existed. In in fact, I didn't actually think there were any female heroes. I knew there were female stories, but they were usually sort of like the normal fairy tale, you know, sort of folktale warning of women be bad, women be stupid, they're going to ruin the world sort of thing. Um, and admit we do have one of those stories in the case of Psyche, although not really ruin the world, but like she makes a mistake. Although I did actually know the story of Psyche, I didn't know her name ironically, which I think is possibly the case with most stories like these, that the female heroes quotation mark around heroes are often not particularly named. The story is there, but we don't really know much about the protagonist. But um, in this case, we learn quite a lot about these fem- female heroes and female characters, and they're portrayed as heroes. 
which I think was really, really cool, especially in comparison to the portrayal of some of the female characters from the previous book. This one does a lot better of a job of it. The stories aren't very informative, although there's definitely a few that I wouldn't have included, just because they don't seem to be that significant or interesting or even that heroic. Um, For example, Daedalus. We kind of already know all about him. And then there's Chariot Boy, who just drives a chariot and dies. But all in all, historically interesting. Dialogue isn't as bad as before. And the mythology and connections to Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus are very cool. But let's get into the story as a whole, and particularly some of the heroes. Now we start with Perseus, because he's the namesake of our main hero, Percy Jackson. Um, And he is one of the few that actually has a happy ending, which is interesting, because most heroes do die quite tragically. And actually, now thinking about it, there are some connections with the names of past heroes with our current stories and how their stories turn out. Hmm. Interesting. Get on to that later. Right, so the story of Perseus. Interesting chapter title in Perseus Wants a Hug. Okay. I don't even know I'm kind of like I don't actually remember why or understand why it was entitled Perseus Wants a Hug but whatever so in the case of Perseus it was an interesting start um and the fact that obviously he's one of the only ones that has a happy ending what I didn't actually know about Perseus was that he gained favor um with Athena I knew Athena does support him later on as a hero but I'd never kind of really understood why. But in this story, we actually learned that he was raised and trained in a temple of Athena, um, mainly just to kind of keep him safe from Hera's wrath with him being a child of Zeus. Um, and it just as a whole, it kind of explained to me why she helps him later on and supports him later on which is really useful to know so I always thought it was a little bit strange um in terms of connections to Percy Jackson Perseus's story is ironically really similar to Percy's and I won't talk too much about Percy's story because that's obviously from when I get to the main Percy Jackson narrative stories but there are lots of things in Perseus's story like the tasks that he's set to do that connect a lot to what Percy has to do throughout the whole series, both in Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus. Um, What is cool about Perseus is that he isn't the cautionary hero tale. He is someone who did what he needed to do to help save someone. He becomes a leader and gets happily married and lives his life with children and his wife. He doesn't go too far, he doesn't take things too far, he does what he has to do and then he's happy and content and gets on with his life. Which, as we'll find out with most of our other stories, doesn't really happen with a lot of the male heroes. But, to move on from the male heroes, 
let's get on to, I think, probably one of my most favourite stories in Percy Jackson and the Greek heroes. And that is the story of... Okay, I can't pronounce this, actually. She's my favourite, but I can't actually pronounce her name. Otera or Otria? I'm going to say Otera because I feel like that's probably going to make... That's probably going to be the easiest version of Terra, but yes. So her chapter title, which is chapter five, technically removing the introduction. Oh wait, no, that is with the introduction. Okay, it's just straight up chapter five. Her chapter is titled, Otera invents the Amazons with free two-day shipping. Now, if you can't tell from that title, Otera is the creator of the Amazons. And I don't even know what else to say. That's just generally really, really cool. Like, she created the Amazons. But the reason why she created them... Firstly, I was surprised at the detail in this book relating to her story and how, in terms of historical context, there is a lot of really interesting things that Percy brings up. Um, And it's just... It's really cool that Percy respects her as a female hero. And it sounds bad that I'm saying that he respects her as a female hero. But more in the sense that she does do some bad things. Like, she does go on, like, some murderous rampages, particularly against men. And obviously, like, also doing such things as leaving baby boys that are birthed to die in the woods. Um, You know, not great. But Percy speaks about how she was a woman of her time she was someone who especially in ancient greece i'll see if i can find the quote actually hold on so basically but if you're a woman in ancient greece um your husband controlled all your decisions or your father controlled all your decisions the quote is oh you don't like his decisions well your options are getting beaten killed or sold into slavery Take your time choosing. And having that, and there's actually an entire two, three pages worth of history for women in ancient Greece, which was incredible to read. So like proper props to Rick for actually doing the research and explaining to us what it was like being a woman in that time. And for Otera, she lived in a very abusive marriage and basically one day her and the women were just fed up with it all being beaten and threatened to be killed or even sold into slavery and they could do nothing about it so one day she just murdered her husband and then all the other wives murdered their husbands and they created their own society of women only and while Percy doesn't agree with some of the things they did like you know leaving baby boys to die in the woods pretty much the same thing that men did they would often leave baby girls to die in the woods if they were royal family members because only a man could inherit a kingdom and what's really interesting about this whole book generally is seeing the sexist side of ancient greece from you know the modern day demigod perspective of percy jackson and it's just it's just really interesting. And with Otera, it gets even more interesting. So she and all of the women of her group adored Artemis and Ares. They were their patron gods. So 
Ares and Artemis were the basis of the of the Amazons. They were all about hunting and dominance, but also war and violence. When when necessary, of course, in in some cases, <laughs> and just as a whole, it's just it's really interesting your terror story, and she does actually have a happy-ish ending. She founded the Amazons. She had a relationship with Ares and had two children. She won many battles, lost battles. The Amazons carried on living a great life even after she retired. And she lives a relatively happy life after retiring. Her daughters go on to inherit the title of Queen of the Amazons. And while her children don't necessarily get off easy, it's just a it's just really cool actually I know I'm sorry, I'm kind of like going off on a tangent here, but it was just really cool to get this historical ten- context for women in this time. It was useful to get an idea as to what it was like. I kind of didn't real I knew it was bad because obviously like oh, it's obvious really, <laughs> but I didn't realize how bad it was and how intensely horrific it was um and i like that even though there was obviously some sanitizing aspect in that they didn't talk too much about obviously the very clear violence against women having that context with otera and her fighting back against it was just generally really cool and we have quite a few stories like that in here as well in the case of atalanta um which it her chapter is entitled Atalanta versus Three Pieces of Fruit, the Ultimate Death Match. Which, by the way, epic title and actually explains what this chapter is about, which is really quite funny. Now, she was another wicked female hero who deals with sexism with murder. I love that. <laughs> You're going to be sexist? Okay, murder time. <laughs> Now, what is interesting with her is, like what I mentioned before, she, her father wanted a son and he was a king. So he abandoned her in the forest to die. We're a bear, a mama bear, who's recently lost her cubs. Oh, Finds her and decides to raise her. And um, it's quite lovely, actually, until Atalanta is stolen from mama bear and raised by humans and then tossed out by the humans when she becomes a bit too wild and admittedly she's happy for that because they she knew that they were eventually going to set her up for marriage she, she wasn't about that so she then went on to honor artemis in most ways especially for her hunting skill now she lived in the woods for the majority of her life um and eventually after people found out she was a fantastic hunter she was called to help uh defeat the undefeatable boar and did it (laughs) uh even later on she also actually joined the argonauts um for their journey for the golden fleece which 100 percent did not know that happened um it's not mentioned too much in her story here that's predominantly in jason's story which i will get to but in later life when she starts to settle down she goes and finds her father again who hopes to have her married off And what she decides is, if I'm going to be married, they've got to beat me in a race. To the death! And I don't know what my voice did then. Oh my god. Sorry. Oh my gods. Now, 
what was really interesting was basically that all these men were convinced that they were going to beat her because it's a woman. How good could a woman be? And they all pretty much die. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> then we have Hippomenes, who, I hope I said his name right. There's a lot of hippos in, in these stories. It's, um, it's a bit difficult to remember how to pronounce them all. Now, Hippomenes basically falls in love with Atalanta at the moment he sees her and sees how powerful she is and I love that but he is concerned that he will not be able to win so he turns to get the help of Aphrodite and he does so by having her help him through giving him golden apples that distract Atalanta during the race so he wins they marry and have children and would have lived happily ever after. But um, husband, he, he done messed up a lot because he forgot to thank Aphrodite. And as everyone knows, if you don't thank the gods, you're going to get smited. Oh, admittedly, in this case, they don't get smited. They get turned into immortal lions. Random, I, I don't really understand why they got turned into lions, but, you know, to each their own Aphrodite, props to you, do not turn me into the lion, please, gods, don't turn me into a lion. But she continues to, Atalanta, I mean, continues to live forever as a lion, because her husband was an idiot, but at least she was able to live a happy life up until then. And as far as I'm aware, I don't think she's killed as a lion. So maybe she lived happily as a lion too. But that is Atalanta's story. And again, it's just really interesting. We get some historical context with women in ancient Greece. Lots of different stories that she is involved with. So like I didn't realise she was involved with the boar story. As far as I'm aware, every time I heard... I can't remember the name of the boar now, admittedly, sorry. Every time I heard that story... I was always convinced it was a male hero that was able to bring it down, but it turned out that she brought it down, and yes, a man did kill it with like the final blow. But as far as I'm aware, she's never mentioned in that story. Same with the the Argonauts. Um, so when we do get to Jason's story, which is the last story, I was surprised when it does mention that she is one of the Argonauts. And there are quite a few people actually that are part of the Argonauts that I didn't realise and ironically all of them are, well not all, the majority of the Argonauts have their own stories in this book. So we've got Heracles, I want to get to Heracles um, shortly because I'm annoyed that they've called him Hercules in this book which is his Roman name and not his Greek name. We'll get to that. Um, Argus doesn't have a story in this, which is surprising to me. Um, Atalanta, of course. Orpheus, he does have a story. He was this fantastic musician who I did actually know his story in that he wasn't particularly a hero. He was just really good at music and also the son of Calliope, which is extra why I'm being nice about this book. No, no I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, then we have the Boreans, who we know from Heroes of Olympus. Um, and then there are two others as well that don't have stories in 
Okay, so there weren't really that many actually. There were like three that have stories in this. Um, but yeah, it, it was really interesting. There were lots of people that I just didn't realise were part of the Argonauts. I think it's mainly because we don't often get the names of the Argonauts. We just know Jason. That's kind of it. And admittedly, Heracles doesn't stay for the whole thing. He does disappear after a period of time. Um, but the story of Jason has a lot of connections, again, to the Percy Jackson universe in two different cases. Um, I'm going to mention them, but I'm not going to mention the reason for them. So there is the missing shoe um, and a prophecy about uh, Jason having a missing shoe. Um, and then also carrying Hera in disguise across a river. Now, for people who do know the series, you will know the two connections for both of those things. But for those who don't, don't worry, we will get to it in future. Now, Jason's story is probably the longest one, um, Heracles not long after that. In that, obviously, it's an incredibly long journey. He grows up knowing later on that he is meant to be king and to be able to become king he has to go and fetch the golden fleece which takes him years in this story in others it's a few months but it's because no one asked for directions because it was predominantly men on the boat <laughs> no i'm joking uh well actually no probably but generally it's interesting well it's not interesting it's just it's mad how long it took for them to get the golden fleece and it's just because they kept getting really really distracted so in first case it's the limousian wives where they have to bank on lemnos where it's only women who basically they marry and have children with and then bugger off when they realize they need to complete their quest uh you know lovely like that then there's earthborn monsters um seeing phineas the seer with the harpy problem who we meet later on uh the clashing rocks and then actually getting to where the golden fleece is medea's story so medea the i don't want to call her a magician because she's not a magician sorceress that's what i want to call her sorceress who is a student pretty much of hectate is that how you say it yeah We'll just say that's how it's said. Um, and it just it's it takes a lot longer than I thought it was. But mainly just because most films are about it, it just makes it sound and seem like it didn't take that long. But maybe that's just because the film's like an hour and a half. But yeah, there's just a lot that happens. I think just in terms of the Greek hero's book and Jason's story, which um, ironically... It's titled, Jason Finds a Rug That Really Ties the Kingdom Together. The only issue that I have with the book, well, this chapter and this story, is sort of the misrepresentation in a form of Medea, the sorceress. Um, it's She does do some horrific things. She is She's not a good person, but neither is Jason. And I think the book kind of forgets that Jason wasn't a good person just because there are some things that are in the story that aren't correct for example she doesn't kill her brother during a truce she does kill him 
but for a distraction. So it's not actually, it's obviously it's bad because it's murdering a family member, but it's not actually as bad as they make it seem in the book, which is you killed someone during a truce, you aren't meant to do that. But in this case, she's killing her her brother to help them escape. And either way, she's doing it all so they can all escape. But then later on, Jason is the one who decides to remarry because it'll help improve his position. In the book, it's because the king that they're staying with in refuge says, you know, you should marry her. Your wife isn't a good person. You know, it's fine. That wasn't the case. Jason just said, you know, I'm going to marry her because it's going to make me look better and put me in a better position because I'll be king. So, yeah, she overreacts because she kills the kids. But, (laughs) yeah, there's some misrepresentation here. And that's it's going to be the case all the time. Obviously, you've got to make the heroes look good. Um, But in one case, I'm kind of glad they didn't make Hercules look good. Or Heracles, as he should have been called in this book, because that's his real name. Well, actually, technically it wasn't his real name. His real name began with an A. Um, and it was written in the book, but I can't remember it. And I could check the book, but I don't want to. So we're just I'm just going to call him Heracles. The title of the chapter is Hercules Does Twelve Stupid Things. But I'm going to call it Heracles Does Twelve Stupid Things. Now... What is interesting with this is that Percy really doesn't let Heracles get away with a lot. There are definitely some things he lets him get away with, but not that much. Because, seriously, Heracles has some serious anger management problems. Like, he's bloodthirsty and murderous pretty much from the get-go. He actually murders a guy when he's 12. (laughs) And... You're surprised when he does extra horrifically horrible stuff? Like, it's no wonder he has to do multiple different labours as penance. He kills a lot of people just because he can. Um, And does some really gruesome stuff as well. Like, um, I can't remember which kingdom it was that was trying to take over where he lived, but his way of sending a message to the king was to cut off the ears and nose and... tie them in a string around the enemy's soldiers necks and send them back as a message to this king how that's not heroic that's psychopathic just yeah and then when he does later marry and obviously we've got megara oh megara admittedly i i only know the portrayal of megara from disney's hercules which you know does such a good job of showing heracles as a good person it's not true, but it's the only portrayal of him that I like. Um, he has children with Megara. They're very happy. Um, and then things just continue to not go his way. He becomes more frustrated. And then he ends up murdering his entire family. Except for his nephew. And while they try to blame it completely on, you know hero driving him mad what i like is that percy doesn't say it was just hera's fault because hercules was known for being murderous and committing atrocities because he could it is heracles responsibility also 
you can't just say, oh yeah, Hera made me do it. She may have been responsible in some form because, you know, she was leading to all these things that he was having to do and she was not helping in terms of his frustrations. But, you know, he did still kill people and his family at that. And then we have the the trials. And again, a lot of these trials and a lot of things that he does, again, once again reflective of the Percy Jackson series and I'll get onto that a little bit more later on but these are just some of the things that he does so there's the Nemean lion the hydra uh, which actually ends up not counting in terms of the trial because he had help Um, the belt of the Amazonian queen here is apples and while this isn't a trial this is something that does happen him holding up the sky And then later on in life, after he finishes all these trials and everything is sorted, he marries once again, seemingly cheats, or at least it makes it sound like he seemingly did, but he very clearly did. We know what most of these heroes are like. Definitely cheated on his wife. Um, And then she unknowingly and accidentally kills him. And then in grief, kills herself. Um, because it was an accident and it was a horrible way to go in the fact that his life had been pretty horrific he was made a minor god of barriers I think it's barriers is it barriers I don't know I don't particularly care about him Heracles is a terrible person I don't think he should be made into a god like he did do some incredible things but he still murdered a lot of innocent people and still did some really horrible things. I don't think that is justifiable for him being made into a god. If anything, if he was going to be made into a god, as, well, he is, he should have been made camp director, like we know Dionysus is, as penance for all the horrific things that he did in his time as a demigod hero. I'd at least teach him something and maybe even be an example for other demigods to not be like this guy. But if anyone was going to be a god, there are definitely a lot others in these stories that deserved it more than Heracles did. Like Orpheus. Orpheus was a brilliant guy, although I understand why he wasn't. He lost his wife and he wanted to be with his wife in the underworld again, so I get why they didn't make him a god. But then we've got such things as Psyche. Actually, Psyche is made into a goddess. And too right she should have been. She was like, oh my god, she was ruined by the gods. Aphrodite is jealous and, by the way, not happy again with the portrayal of Aphrodite in this book. But whatever. Now, I wouldn't technically say the story of Psyche, which her chapter is entitled... Psych ninjas a box of beauty cream. Interesting way to go. I'm not sure I would really call her a hero. It's more that she's kind of cursed in a way with exceptional beauty. Faces Aphrodite's wrath. But she becomes a god in the end. She falls in love with Eros, the god of love, also known as Cupid for us. Um, but what is interesting that she is technically a hero in that all these horrific things that happen in her life, like her 
her fall from grace, her exile, her experiencing the wrath of Aphrodite. She never lets it affect her. She never lets it change who she is. She still is a kind and loving person who always stays hopeful and powers through these horrific things. And she proves her love for Eros after failing briefly by spying on him in in the dark, um, which she was told not to do. She proves her worth and her kindness and is made a goddess and becomes Eros's immortal wife. And what's even worse, even worse, even better, is that because of all these incredible things that she did, she becomes the goddess of the human soul, which is amazing and really, really cool that that's something that you can become god of and something that she definitely should have been become that she there oh what are words what i am going to talk about though is the stories that definitely didn't need to be in this book and there there are only two of them admittedly um and that is the story of daedalus and oh god i can't pronounce his name fathian or fathian i want to say fathian Now, the chapters there are chapter 4 and chapter 6. So, chapter 4, Fathian fails Driver's Ed. And I get what-ish, why the story is here, but he's not a hero. He's a demigod, yes, in that he's the son of the titan Helios and uh, a wood nymph. I can't remember her name, though, sorry. Um, It's more of a cautionary tale than a hero's tale, though. And Fathian doesn't really do anything in the form of heroism. Basically, his story is demigod mad for being bullied, tricks dad Helios into driving his sun chariot, gets cocky, dies. That's it. That that's the story. It could have very easily been cut because it's not important whatsoever. And there are other heroes that I think should have or could have been included in its place. And then, as I mentioned before, the story of Daedalus, which is entitled "Daedalus Invents Pretty Much Everything Else." And in terms of Percy Jackson, we kind of know everything about Daedalus, and I know in terms of the timeline. With his story here, it kind of brings perspective for Daedalus later on. But, ah, I don't know. There's just something about his story that he's not a hero. He's not a good person. He is technically a demigod. But, well, actually, is he a demigod? I don't think, I think, yeah, no, he is. He's son of Athena I only said daughter of Athena but that's someone else as we all know um it's just yeah I don't know he's not a heroic person he doesn't really do any heroic things other than invent stuff um and story just as a whole just seems a bit pointless he's more of a villain than anything else so yeah it's just kind of a little bit just those two stories just kind of feel a bit out of place alongside everything everything else but all the f- heroes that we do get, so we get Perseus, Psyche, Phaethion, Ottera, 
Daedalus, Theseus, who, poor Theseus sucks. He is, wow, yeah. No, he, his stories are, again, similar to what happens in the Percy Jackson universe, but um, he has a real dark side. Um, although it's not really portrayed because this chapter, this is the only chapter that Theseus slays the mighty, oh look, a bunny rabbit. And in just that, just with that title alone, you kind of can tell that this is not going to be a good chapter. And this chapter was the only bad one that I found, really. And that it has bad dialogue and bad description as well. And as a whole, he kind of gets off a bit lightly. Like, Theseus was not a good dude. He murdered for fun. He betrayed a lot of people. He kidnapped women for fun to force them to marry him. He abandons Ariadne. He just like he's just not a good dude. Um, and you just I I thank everyone that he died horrifically. So you know good things. Um, then obviously the other heroes we've got Atalanta. But Be- oh god, this is a name Be- Bellerophon. Bellerophon, who was actually quite an interesting story although once again kind of a cautionary tale sort of thing in that with most of these stories it's like a lot of these heroes are the cautionary tales there are Perseus is for me the hero that everyone should be aspire to be you do what you're meant to do don't get too cocky finish what you're meant to do and move on with life Bellerophon is one of those ones where he does what he was meant to do and then he as he gets older he wishes for the old days and does something reckless and dies because he was an idiot and didn't pay attention he got too wistful so he got cocky and that's what most of these heroes that died did other than Atalanta in that case it was just that she, she had an idiotic husband then we have Cyrene who is another fantastic female hero um, who is made into a, a nymph, uh, a naiad, sorry. Uh, so she is another one that is made into a mortal. And so far, other than Heracles, most of those who are made into immortals are the female heroes. In the case of Atalanta, of course, it was she was made into an immortal lion. But, but yeah, we can kind of see what it says. And then we have Orpheus, the musician, Heracles, and then Jason. So we have some really interesting stories and diverse stories of heroes. Most of them are cautionary tales of kind of don't take things too far, know when your work is done. And then for the female heroes, it's, you know, you guys are doing a lot for for women of your time. You know, you deserve to be rewarded in some form, except you, Atalanta, your husband messed up. So sorry about you. But as a whole, and just to kind of summarise, really, the heroes that we do get in this story is in, in these stories and as a whole are really really interesting and I think they're the stories that we need to hear. But what I am surprised is that for example Achilles isn't brought up considering his importance later on with the Percy Jackson series. It'd be interesting to learn more about him. Same with Odysseus who is one of the most well-known heroes alongside Heracles. Um which I kind of get maybe why he's not brought up as most people know his story but you know those are the two heroes I think could have been added in and had I've forgotten his name already Fafian and Daedalus removed and have those two put in as I think they relate more to the Percy Jackson world 
like I said at the start and pretty much throughout, I really wasn't expecting any female heroes because I didn't know any of the there were any. Um, by the way, um, <laughs> Atalanta is is now my hero, other than the fact that she turns into a lion. So okay, marriage choice wise, not so much. Everything else, yes. Um, but to get the perspective of female heroes and learn more about them was brilliant and I'm really glad that they were there so huge props to Rick for doing that and then there's the fact that most of the heroes it appears have their lives end badly usually for disrespecting the gods or getting too big for their boots predominantly the male heroes in fact which then leads to the retaliation from the gods and only a few of them actually end up understanding humility is important like Psyche, Perseus and kind of a terror <laughs> but yeah it's just as a whole this book was so much better done than the greek gods but my final thoughts and while the dialogue is still pitchy it's better than before for sure uh, it's got a really good mix of heroes the mythology and the mythological stories are sound if a little bit squeaky clean in some areas like the kidnapping of women you know it's not a good thing, so kind of take it a bit more seriously. But as a whole, and this is just reflecting to the Reordian verse, reading this gives a reflection of the Percy Jackson series, and especially on Luke's perspective of things. Heroes repeat, and nothing is ever unique. The quests and battle they face will always come back, in a way we can see what he means and it may even make us and our own heroes in the books question everything that they do but that's for another time so i want to thank you guys for joining me for this episode as i went through percy jackson and the greek heroes now as you heard me end off there relating to Luke Castilian and just in a sense possibly even empathising with him a little, not that I'll get into too much detail as to that empathy, but if you want to learn a little bit more about Luke Castilian be sure to join me next Wednesday as I tackle the next book in our timeline from the Demigod Diaries, The Diary of Luke Castilian. In the meantime, however, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter and on Tumblr at thebestdamncamp.tumblr.com. Now, if you guys do want to get involved with the podcast and generally pass on your own thoughts and synopses and kind of anything that you have relating to characters or story you can email us at the best at hotmail.com and i will read whatever you have to say about the show about kind of anything you want to talk about at the end of the show as always thank you so much for tuning in i have been fran your very own hunter and I will see slash speak to you guys next time. Bye.